Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be with Josh Rosenberg. Josh is a partner in Kelly Kronberg Brickle's office, the Brickle office of Kelly Kronberg, and concentrates his practice in guardianship administration litigation, probate administration and litigation, elder law, and estate planning. Josh, thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure being here. All right. A quick thank you to Bob Lehman of Legacy Today, the financial advisor who introduced us. Let's go back in time a little bit. What inspired you to become a lawyer? So, uh, you know, nobody in my family uh, was is a lawyer. Uh, and so what ends up happening is, is that uh, I went through uh, undergrad, I went to the University of Maryland, and I figured out that I didn't want to be a dentist like everybody else. Uh, and, and the guy who actually was my best friend from sleepaway camp, his dad was a lawyer, he was a state planning lawyer in Tampa. And um, I had this weird thing as a younger kid where I actually really liked and found old people interesting. Uh, and so having a career doing uh, probate, guardianship, estate planning style work allows me to interact with our elderly population uh, and, and service you know, their needs. And so largely uh, it was a matter of everything else that I did, I didn't like. And this is the stuff that I really did like. And so that's how I kind of drew me in. All right. Interesting, interesting way to find your path. Now, when someone asks you, what do you do? What does that mean in English? How do you answer that question? What is the layperson definition of the types of law that you're working with? So I, I, when I think of what we do, I really couch it in a more general term of elder services. And the reality is, is that the time we live in is that there are, there's something coming around you may have read about called the silver tide. The silver tide is the concept that we have the largest aging population in the history of this country becoming 65 or older. And so when people ask about what do we do, we are a very unique practice group that works all over the entire state of Florida. We are bilingual and we are able to help people, anybody that has these elder service sort of issues. And interestingly, they intersect not just with elderly people, but they also intersect with all people of special needs. Most people that are doing our kind of work, they will draft documents or they'll litigate the documents. We do both. Uh, and so the ability to come at the drafting experience from the mind of a litigator and the ability to go to litigation from the mind of somebody that drafts, I think puts us in a really unique spot. 
Absolutely. What are some of the most common issues that your clients are facing that you're helping them with? So I really separate that out between the probate issues and the, and the guardianship issues. In the probate context, um, unfortunately, there are a large number of people who sort of have their idea how estates should be distributed that don't necessarily match up with the plans of their family members who have passed away. Uh, and so we see a lot of conflict both in the drafting of the documents, meaning how do I draft these documents to avoid the conflict in the future? And then once somebody's passed away, we also see a lot of conflict amongst the family members with regards to how do we administer this estate? I mean, literally just today, um, what I uh, spoke with a, a document expert that we have, and they found that we have a trust that has been filed with the court and the trustee is utilizing, it's completely fake. And so, a lot of people think that, for example, by utilizing trust instruments, you avoid litigation. There's plenty of good reasons to have a trust. Avoiding litigation isn't one of them. Um, and so we see those kinds of problems. On the guardianship side, it's actually a lot different because I think the biggest concerns that we have is we have this aging population, but we also have this group of caretakers that are out there who are unfamiliar with the ability, with the system, and, and what it takes to, to provide for the elderly. And so we're able to come into those cases, hopefully before there's litigation, get family solutions together, get care management in place, help them with doctors and financial uh, 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 plans so that we can avoid problems in the future. So I'd say that on the guardianship side, it's figuring out how to provide care. And I'd say on the probate side, it's trying to figure out how to either plan uh, yourself out of litigation or how to get out of the litigation once you're in it. Okay, quick disclaimer, you are in the state of Florida, so we're not asking for specific legal advice and anything you're answering should be construed as a Florida answer. And if someone watching or listening is looking for legal advice, they should talk to someone licensed in their state and not necessarily. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So on the probate side, at least in the state of Florida, why, I don't want to assume anything, why do we want to avoid probate in the first place? Well, the answer is, is that nobody wants to be in court, right? Whatever is the legal definition of stinks, it stinks to be in court, right? And so if you can do something to avoid the court process, you want to try to avoid it. I do think that the, that the demon that is probate is overstated. Um, you know, my view is, is that you have like Susie Orman, almost like Khrushchev, you know, on there beating his shoe against the pulpit telling you probate's the devil, stay away from probate. Here, here's what the reality is. In 99 out of 100 cases, when you have a trust, uh, the intent of the creation of that trust is to avoid probate, right? That's, that's why people create trust. But the reality of it is, is that in almost every situation, there's one bank account, there's one asset or something that did not get transferred into the trust, and you end up in probate anyway. Now, are you probating less assets than you would if you didn't have the trust? Yes. But is the probate process exactly the same? Yes, it is. I think the big problem with probate and the reason why people avoid it is because just like you wouldn't go to your general practitioner if you had cancer, you'd go to an oncologist, people don't realize that about lawyers. And when they go to somebody, they go to general practitioners or people that do mostly real estate and a little bit of uh, probate, and they say, will you help me probate the estate? And the thing is, is that it seems real simple out front, right? It's you've got a bunch of stuff that somebody who died had, and you're trying to push it to their beneficiaries. But the reality is, is that the process and the intricacies of the law and the court make it so that you need an expert to get that work done. And if you have an expert to get it done, at least in the state of Florida, 
the fees are not nearly what people make them out to be, and the time periods that are needed are not what are needed to be. And here's a really important point, Seth, that I think that a lot of people ask us about, but they miss. If there's real estate, people say, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to sell this house, this condo, this piece of real estate until the probate's over. Nothing could be further from the truth. If you go to somebody that knows what they're doing, we can get property sold within the context of the probate almost exactly in the same process as you would have done outside of probate. Yeah, I don't think people realize that. Now, on the guardianship side, as we're recording this, probably the most famous guardianship proceeding going on right now involving Britney Spears. What, so that's probably what people think of. What does guardianship mean in your world, and how do we know if and when we would need one? Um, so basically, under Florida law, you have the capacity to make decisions for yourself until you don't, which is a really ineloquent way of an attorney telling you, until a, a court tells you that you can't do something, you can do it. So Florida has created a process, which is generally speaking, detailed in chapter 744 of the Florida statutes, that says there's a process. You file a petition to determine incapacity. That's step one. Now, what's important to know about that is, is that that is a private HIPAA-protected medical file. It is not a public file. And so at, at that point, the court appoints a panel of its own independent doctors, psychiatrists, or psychologists to make an independent evaluation of the level of capacity of what is known as the alleged incapacitated person. Based largely on the report and recommendation of those doctors, those lay people, the court will make a decision of whether in fact someone is incapacitated or not. Then after that decision is made, the court has to determine, is there a planning that has happened, what we would call lesser restrictive alternatives to guardianship, like a durable power of attorney or a healthcare surrogate, in some states, it's a, it's a healthcare power of attorney or a, a, a durable, there's other names for them. But anyway, they're called advanced directives under Florida law. And if there are advanced directives, you need no guardian, those people stay in place. However, if you do not have a healthcare surrogate or a durable power of attorney, which would act in place of a guardian, then the court has to determine who is the person that should act as the guardian. And once they make that determination, the person is then appointed. I'll note to you, and you, you brought up the Britney Spears case. Interestingly, what you see is, is that even when her lawyers have come into place, I have not heard of one, not one, ask for her rights to be restored. What they have said, and I think it makes sense, is that the person that was appointed as her guardian, her father, should be replaced. And that should be really telling, and I don't think it's really talked about with a lot of the, of the media that we've seen right now. So her attorneys are basically saying, look, we kind of understand she needs help. We're just saying this was the wrong person to do it. And frankly, as a, as a person that somewhat is involved in this system, it makes a lot of sense because you have this appearance of impropriety. And so a lot of times, I will tell you, you'll read a lot about abusive guardianships and a lot of really bad press. But here's what the reality is. In my career, I've seen one time the court actually be able to take action to have somebody held responsible because the vast majority of funds are held in special bank accounts, that you have to report where every single penny went to an independent auditor. So the fears of these, these guardianships gone wild and people stealing money, it generally speaking doesn't happen. But that appearance of impropriety that you see with the Britney Spears case is problematic. And, and that's why I think it makes sense to have somebody different, for example, come in that case. Absolutely. Well, Guardians, Guardians Gone Wild could be the name of your next reality. That's thing. right. <laughs> You're, um, you've achieved so much success for your clients. What's your biggest challenge now? 
Well, I think, look, I, I practiced at the same law firm for 15 years. Uh, and during my time at that law firm, I was able to grow a practice from uh, two attorneys uh, and I think two staff when I started to five attorneys and about eight staff when I left. I was provided with a wonderful opportunity to come to Kelly Cronenberg and start a probate and guardianship practice at the firm that provides me with a much larger platform uh, and a much larger amount of support than I had at my prior firm. The prior firm, were, they were great people, um, but they just didn't have the resources that I have at Kelly Cronenberg. And so I, what I found as an entrepreneur, as a business person, is it's finding a way to grow, but grow intelligently. Uh, and so since I've, I've now been at Kelly Cronenberg for about two years, um, when I came, I, uh, as a courtesy to my prior firm, did not bring anyone with me. So I started out anew. It was myself, an associate, and a paralegal. Um, at this point, we're on the precipice of bringing in our fourth attorney. We have three paralegals and a law intern. Um, so we had good, steady growth. But I think the important thing, especially in our area of law, is that you've got to find people that really enjoy it. If you talk to most attorneys, they're like, I don't want to deal with that probate and guardianship stuff. The thing is, is that there's a weird, kitschy kind of bunch, and, and we like this area of law. So not everybody likes to work with the elderly. Not everybody understands mental health issues. Um, and frankly, people just may not want to deal with it. So we've been really fortunate in being able to identify a large uh, a group of people to be able to bring in and work with us. Um, and so I, just as a side point, I brought, I had a, a, an original associate of mine at my old firm, his name is Robert Seeger. Um, we brought him back in at Kelly Cronenberg and opened an office in New Jersey. So he understands what we do. He understands how the practice works. And so he's working both to grow our practice in the New York and New Jersey area. He works with our transient clients between the state of Florida and New York and New Jersey. And he helps us uh, be able to manage the practice. So it's growing in the right direction. That's really what we've had to grapple with. You've in essence grown two different, more than maybe more than two different practices in the same area of law. How do you grow, how do you do that? How do you get the word out? How do you get that? How do you, how do clients find you? So, you know, look, at first, what I would say is, is that I always wanted to become, which is probably a weird goal, right? But I wanted to be, just become Josh, the probate guy. The thing is, is that it, it, a lot of people that I find try to oversell all kinds of different things. I know what my sandbox is. I don't like to play outside of my sandbox and I'm very focused on what those things are. And I have fought tirelessly to become Josh the probate guy. If you're a family lawyer, you may go, I don't want to do that probate stuff, but I know that Josh guy, he likes it. And I always wanted to be Josh that probate guy. And so I think that was a part of it. And I think the other part of it, which is more specific to uh, being an attorney is this. If you are honest and you're a good lawyer and you're upfront with people, unfortunately, it's sort of rare. And so getting the reputation, not only amongst your clients, but especially amongst your colleagues, and especially even more amongst the, the judges, providing services to people in an honest, open, and direct way is probably the single biggest secret for success, in my opinion. Because once you lose credibility with those around you, it just all sort of crumbles around, in my view, and it makes it way harder to be both successful for clients and successful as a business person. That makes a lot of sense. Your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you do? Well, I think, look, especially on the guardianship side of the work we do, we're able to come in cases and we find people in some very difficult situations. 
Um, you find elderly people who are being exploited. You find incapacitated um, young adults who, who are in the throes of uh, uh, schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. These are some of the most vulnerable people in society. And so we're able to come into those cases. We're able to unwind their situation and help them. The stories that I can tell you are amazing. And they're not even necessarily amazing in the outcomes. What I tell everybody is this. When you have our area of practice, there is literally, literally nothing you can come up with as a fact pattern. And I would go, oh, on Monday, there's no way that's going to happen. I've learned better. And so whether it's people getting on boats and running away to the Bahamas, whether it is a super in a building who has decided to steal money from a tenant and store appliances in his apartment, apartment floor to ceiling, I can tell you story after story after story that would make your head spin. And the good news is, is that it keeps it interesting and we're able to get really good results. All right. Well, we will definitely have to have you back to share some of those fascinating stories for our folks in Florida who are watching, listening, want to learn more. Where is the best place for us to send them? Uh, you can give me a call. Uh, I can give you my cell phone number if that's okay with you. Uh, sure. I mean, you, that's up to you, but thank sure. you. So, so my cell phone number is 305-962-6869. And you had asked, by the way, about ways that we're able to grow the business and be successful. I think it's access, right? And that's why we give people our cell phone numbers. Our cases are inherently emergency-based. And, you know, if you have somebody who's sick or tired or dying, you don't want to wait two weeks to get an answer. And so we do our best to make ourselves as available as possible, whether by text message or cell phone call uh, to our clients. All right. Well, this has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur. We greatly appreciate you joining us. We've had, this has been Seth Green with Joshua Rosenberg of kellycronenberg.com, the law firm. Again, thanks to Bob Lehman for the introduction. And Josh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks everybody for watching or listening. And we'll talk to you or see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>